You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is To Stir With Love, a criminal justice reform podcast. And joining me on Highway 81, not Highway, Interstate 81. Highway is the wrong term, Yitzchak, right? A highway would mean a, a highway would mean a state highway or a, a, or U.S. highway. This is actually the interstate on Interstate 81. Rabbi Yitzchak Kolakowski, who is the chief of chaplain services in Waymart, Pennsylvania, making his way in the Pennsylvania night towards his home. But Yitzchak, you're showing once again the great fealty you have to the to the integrity of this show that the show must go on. Um, Yitzchok, uh, you, you wanted to talk tonight about something that um, is a, a very important uh, subject in terms of uh, freeing uh, prisoners who are, who are innocent, but have been found guilty. Um, it's a, it, it could actually do the opposite as well, right? It could actually, it can be used uh, years and years after you think a crime is unsolvable. And what we're talking about here is a DNA evidence, uh, the DNA evidence which can perhaps, uh, as even in the world, the other world that we share together, the world of rabbinic law, it has caused a revolution in terms of understanding of what is, who is a, who is a, who is a part of the priestly caste, who is a Kohen, who's a Jew, but for our purposes, we're talking about DNA, how it's can, it's how it, it can be used uh, to undo um, incorrect verdicts and perhaps also bring to justice those who have escaped it up until now. So Yitzchok, uh, without hitting any cows, why don't you get started on this? Uh, I'm, I'm more familiar with the latter, where people are being convicted based on the DNA evidence. And it's interesting to me because we see the Zaya Harbazah, like we say in Yiddish, it's such a, that that based on something so minuscule, you know, so insignificant that they can actually convict someone of a murder or a rape or or any number of other crimes based on this DNA evidence, on this forensic evidence. And it it does, like you said, reason why I piqued my interest was because someone, especially, you know, there's an X chromosome and a Y chromosome. Y chromosome is the male lineage and X chromosome is the female lineage. So there's mitochondrial DNA in the X chromosome. So for the man, you know that that X chromosome comes from the mother because he gets the, 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 the Y from the father and the X from the mother, or a woman has two Xs. So... He, uh, the mitochondrial DNA showed that he had a common ancestor with all Eden, everybody else who had the same common ancestor, and they were able to verify who this person was from Lithuania. And, and, and he was Eden all along. Now, I said he should still. So, so in, other words, in other words, the mitochondrial DNA was then compared to the standard Jewish DNA of someone who we know was a Jew for many generations. And it was shown to be identical or identical enough to indicate that they came from the same uh, basic genetic strand, right? The same matrilineal strand. 
same metrolinear strand. It, it, it might not be exactly the same, but it showed enough common well, markers. This was this was uh, exactly the same. Scientifically, you can't you can't make that up. That's that's my understanding. Again, if people are being convicted of murder based on these types of things, it's it's the same thing. Now, I still I. There's another problem, though. If he's a Yid and there was no, you know, there was if, if they had Kedushin, they didn't have. We had we had one case in Weimar. Uh, it's a very well-known case. I can't talk anything about his personal issues in the prison, but I, I certainly the story is a very well-known story. There was a fellow who was a DJ, and uh, this woman, maybe 20 years ago, a sixth-grade school teacher, was found murdered in her home. With a, a bunch of graduation gifts that she bought for her students, and it was a horrific murder, uh, and blood all over the house, and it was a cold case. Nobody, nobody knew, you know, uh, who had done it. There was no, uh, there was no idea anyone would have a motive to kill this woman, a very beloved teacher. And uh, here it is, 20 years later, the DNA evidence that was collected at that time whatever it is, in the early 2000s or late 90s, they pinned it that it could only be this one person. There was no possibility that anybody else could have been there based on the DNA that they found there, many different DNA samples, whether it was hair, whether it was his own blood, that because he, he just stabbed her and he, he cut himself and, and other things that they found there, they were able to ascertain it couldn't be anyone else but this person. Uh, and, uh, and so where it was a cold case. They didn't have their perp. But now that they submitted the uh, whatever they had uh, recovered at the scene and, and kept it in decent enough shape that it can be reanalyzed using new DNA techniques, they were able to find a match with someone that was that they had their blood or semen or something, and they were able to find the match that was seemingly close enough or exact to show that he must have been the perpetrator for this terror, this ghastly murder. And they, they arrested him and threw him, they threw the book at him based on this, this DNA evidence. Now, um, so Yitzchak, obviously, you know, you are just a minister towards people that are brought into incarceration um are you saying i would assume you know uh, coming from what we've been talking about uh the fact that we use these the, these tools to ascertain truth in the halakhic world the rabbinic world that we share that you probably would you uh, would you say that it's 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 unfair uh to use this now the only thing i could hear is that w- you know, if there had been a trial and he would have been found innocent, that it would be, you know, again, even though a new advance has occurred, I could hear the argument being made that you can't be tried again, even though new evidence has surfaced, that that gets into a whole issues of legal precedent. Uh, there's always going to be um, changes, whether it's in the mental acuity of the jurors or something else that could lead to a second indictment or in the second in the second finding of, of of guilty so i could hear that if there was an original trial and he was found innocent that 
arguments can be made that he, he shouldn't be able to be brought back. I don't know if people make that argument or not, but I could hear that. But if he if there was never any trial, I would assume you had no problem in from you know, even though you know you, you you have compassion for every person, but you probably have no problem with arresting a person based on this DNA evidence. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it myself. All I know is that that's what's being used. I mean, there was another case we had in our community in White Lake. One of the summer residents. Uh, this was around when I was a one-year-old, two-year-old baby. There was uh, Mr. Quinzel who was murdered in his uh, in his uh, driveway, I think somewhere in Long Island, maybe Breakneck, and. Uh, he had he had a business in Brooklyn and he and he got murdered in broad daylight and they never found they never knew who it was. On the side of his business, there was always this big poster with the reward, you know, being posted for whoever could tell who who killed Mr. Quetzel. And uh, his own father died a year later from from the Agnes Nefesh from this this mice and uh, the. Uh, what happened was they saved in 1985, they saved the cigarette butts that were found on the scene. And about, I think, 10 years ago, they were able to uh, do DNA tests and figure out that it was two men who were already in prison who committed this crime. And what the way they got their guilt was uh, that they had to admit to the guilt, essentially, is that they moved them, they were in different prisons, maybe even in different states, and they were moved to be housed together in the same cell, and they bugged the cell. And, and they started talking shop about the old days, and they oh, you remember we bumped off one cell, and we got away with that one. And, uh, and they, they were caught on the recording saying that, and, uh, and then they were able to go to trial based on, so that it was based on the DNA and their own admission. That they went to trial, meaning they were already incarcerated, and now they now they had life sentences on top of whatever they had already. In this case, it was a total cold case, um, and the man he pled guilty, but now he wants to take away his guilty plea again. All of this is in the news. I haven't spoken to him much about you know the case or anything. I've heard what people said, but again, I can't talk about that particular this this case of Waymark, but. These things are happening all the time. I heard on the radio there was a, a case from 1964. Of a little girl was murdered in Pennsylvania, and they found who it was and that the man died in 1980, and they're solving all these cold cases. So I don't know. You know, you hear a story like that, you might you might think, well, they just want to close the case and, uh, and pin it on this guy. You know, who knows? No, 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 I think closure is very important, especially to families that are um, ripped apart by the death of a person. And I think that um, the knowledge uh, is, 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 is sets you free. And even if even if they discover that the murderer is someone who they themselves was never apprehended, but based on DNA evidence, they can tell you who that murderer was. It means something. And it, in a way, it, it, it allows some sort of peace to the family. Uh, obviously, this is an area that is fantastic in terms of its novelty, in terms of what it's able to uh, indicate. And people who will live in the world of science uh, could attest to how true it is. I worry myself, Yitzchak, that some of it, especially if it's to the layman, 
there might be some subtleties which are crucial. And when we're talking about putting a person to death, perhaps it's very important to know how, uh, like you say, how ironclad it is, uh, this type of DNA evidence. Um, I know, again, in, in Jewish law, we, we, the rabbis have to deal with the fact that um, there might be something that based on halacha, halacha demands a certain thing and a certain um, bar of evidence that perhaps DNA could satisfy or could not. In the world of halacha, I think that, that we're, we, you know, we are talking about living based on certain principles which we believe are godly, even though they were given in ancient times. And the modern world has come up with some new tools. I think we can we can sort of like accept the fact that God wants us to live according to that, even if it's not doesn't necessarily jive with the scientific truth. I think, however, in the secular world, in the world of of of, of justice for human beings, not the world of trying to uh, fulfill God's will uh, in terms of determining halachic status. There, I think you know the uh, the idea of DNA. Assuming that it's not being, you know, just bandied about, assuming that it is as ironclad as you're saying, it should be, it would seem, uh, nobody should seem to have an objection to its use for uh, innocence or providing guilt many, many years after the fact. Again, I do leave it as an open question for legalists to, to argue that once a trial has occurred, um, there is some, I think, benefit that uh, that because uh, you go with the fact that this was the trial the state brought. It, otherwise, it would seem that you have this Pandora's box that everybody could be brought back no matter what. Um, right? This, there, there, do you hear what I'm saying, Yitzchak? I, I, I know there are people, what I'm saying, there might be some lawyers or scientists who would disagree, but it seemed to me every trial, once a person is found innocent, a new trial could have been done better. And it could have been done more intelligently. There might be other things, but that's just our, our system needs to have that aspect in it. Otherwise, a person doesn't get a speedy trial because we have to wait for some new scientific. Like we, we can hold people indefinitely till the science is ready, and that doesn't. That seems to be cruel and unusual. So uh, you know, to to it, the legal standard is beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, so. so. There could be reasonable doubts, you know, the, the example that could be, you know, that, that you know. But when, he, when he's found, but if a person is found innocent because it, because there is enough reasonable doubt to let the person off the hook, the, the, you know, again, even now that we've discovered this again, DNA. nobody's found innocent. They're found not guilty. Right. They were found. Right. You're correct. Not guilty is not the same as being innocent. But it would seem that if, if, if a person, because of DNA evidence, opens themselves up to being retried again, I think that there's a slippery slope here because why do we, uh, only DNA evidence? What about other things? What about, you know, jurors that, that, that were discovered to be mentally deficient or whatever it is? Uh, there could be many, many factors that I think would cause the justice system to be, to, to be imploded. So I think, you know, to to just say anything scientific, we're going to bring you, we're going to be bringing you back for trial because we now discovered the truth. I, I think that's a dangerous thing. Yes. Does that mean murderers are out on the street? Yes, it does. On the other hand, uh, if, if there's an open endedness to a, a verdict, then I don't think you really have proper justice. 
because there's always, and will there be guys who get off the hook because, uh, you know, some forensic guy did not catch uh, all the, all the droplets. Well, that's the reason why you need to be as efficient as possible. You know, I, I you know, you, you know, we know that there are unsolved murders and, 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 and hits and assassinations that go on all the time. There's you know, what we need, I think is efficient, uh, criminal justice and, and law and, 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 and policing that we get people right away. And in an efficient amount of time, we try them. But the idea that, you know, there's a backlog and, you know, 35 years later, after you've been tried, I, I, I agree it's look that if, if, if nobody knows it and now we discover, you know, something. But if you've already been tried, it seems to me that that might be problematic. Um, so because because I, I think you're going to have to make an exception between. These are, these are generally cold cases. Well, I understand. These are, these are generally cold cases. No but, 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 but you can see that there's been, you know, again, let's say in the Sonny Von Buell, we had, of course, Alan Dershowitz uh, on our program a couple of weeks ago. Um, and uh, he, of course, was, uh, the, was, the, was the defense attorney who was able to overturn the, uh, um, the verdict against Sonny Von, against, uh, against Klaus Von Buell and murdering his wife. Well, let's say now we're going to dis- discover some, and he was uh, found innocent. If we're going to find some DNA evidence that can somehow get back, you know, that he was the one who who strangled Sonny or whatever he, however she died, I forgot she drowned or something like that. Um, that I think would be problematic because, you know, again, we'd have to sort of we'd have to write exceptional rules for DNA evidence versus other sorts of new things that are discovered, new witnesses that come forward. Or things like that. Um, we have to realize that justice is an imperfect game. Uh, I call it a game, but it's an imperfect situation. Um, you know, I, I think it, it, there needs to be a long arm of the law, but it can't stretch. You know, this can't stretch for decades and decades um, to the point. And, so, and sometimes we have to live with the wrong, uh, with the wrong determinations. That's really just part of the way things go. Um, uh, even in the time of Chazal, uh, you know, uh, we, we have to trust in the Rabbanu Shalom, that someone who killed without Asra, whatever it was, or with Eid Echad, that the Rabbanu Shalom will take care of them. And I think that's the way we have to view, even in our own criminal justice system, when we know people have gotten off. Um, and, you know, the does that mean, again, w- what could happen, I think, Yitzchak, is since we're talking about this, and again, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you're still driving on Highway 81, but you know, what well, we, I'm, on, I'm on Route Six now. You're on Route Six, so this is Route Six is already a, uh, a Route Six is a state highway or a county highway. Yeah, I'm, I'm passing Waymar. So is Route Six county or state? What is Route Six? State. I think it goes through. It's a state highway that goes through different states. <laughs> uh, so Route Six is a state highway, like 22 here in New Jersey. So um, yeah, so. Again, you know, I, I think this is this. I think is 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 a subject that that we could probably you know, uh, hold forth on for a while, and uh, greater uh, legal minds than, than ours can talk about it. But I think there's, you know, we have to realize that we're not going to get them all. And uh, there's going. It's interesting. How are they finding this DNA? Again, I, right? And as, as you know, as you know, as. People are doing these uh, programs like 23andMe to find their ancestry. And so this uh, establishes 
a pool of information, a database uh, of DNA. I understand Yitzchak, but just, you know, as, as I quoted Dershowitz before, and believe me, I think OJ was guilty 100%, and I think his actions later show that, but as Barry Shrek and, and Dershowitz and Johnny Cochran pointed out, that if there was the chance that the DNA was tampered with, right, even, again, you know, you know there, there needs to be a body cam, you know, of these forensic scientists, right? They, they need to actually prove that that these samples were 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 always were taken honestly and were never there was never any access to anybody else who might have a grudge against this uh, victim to against this uh, perpetrator this person that you ex, ex, you know you suspect um, and that who knows what sort of dirty dealings might have been going on in order to close a case or to get this guy back so again you know obviously a defense attorney can raise that sort of doubt but I don't think it should go to trial in order for the defense attorney to do that, especially if we're talking about years afterwards, because, you know, it's one thing when you talk about a crime scene that's immediate, there's a certain um, uh, assumption that there's going to be a certain, an accuracy of gathering the facts and the data. It's another thing if, you know, let's go back. Oh, we discovered this and we went back there and we found this in some, uh, you know, we found this in, you know, the in some uh, some dresser drawer or in some file cabinet, uh, you know, in the back of the in the back of the precinct. And here's some hair that somebody put in a in a in a baggie. You know what I'm saying? And here's a Q-tip that they that they picked up. You know, I, I think you know one has to be you, one has to be suspicious. Um, you know, these aren't necessarily scientists who are trying to serve humanity. These might be prosecutors who are trying to uh, get a notch on their belt. And nothing sounds sexier than being able to say that you use science in order to get yourself the conviction. And we finally solved the case of who killed little Johnny off Route 6. So, um, and again, I, I think we, uh, again, I'm just playing the advocate here uh, towards that. Again, I don't have the same, <laughs> unlike yourself, Yitzhak, I don't have any restriction being able to say any sort of thing I want, right? You know, you, of course, are a state employee. I would say that DNA is fascinating. It's it's incredible. Uh, it opens up new vistas. It needs to be thought about, but I think it needs to be measured about how how what sort of tool we use it. I think it's like we live in a world where we go gaga over science, where you know we're so we go so starry, especially since it's something we sort of like, like the guys in the white coats are these malachim who who come in here and tell us stuff that oh this is the yeah well let's see right as you say, um, and I think we have to be wary. You know, especially if a jury doesn't understand um, the the intricacies of what the, how the DNA evidence works, I mean they 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 need a they need a Mr. Science or or Mr. Wizard you know uh, video to explain it to them. If they don't, then finding a, a person guilty after so many years with a jury, I think would be something that would be very very difficult. Do you agree? Especially with especially with all of the television shows that kind of are trying to tell us that, you know, there's DNA everywhere and it's such an easy thing. I think the science, you know, in a lot of these, a lot of these like law and order shows, they were bordering on science fiction, at least at the time. But although it seems that the technology has, has improved uh, as time has gone on and maybe we're getting closer to that type of thing. Uh, but like you said, I hope to hear more of these stories about proving innocence, and I think, you know, it's a lot harder, 
no, no. Your 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 point your point is your point is well taken. The question is, you know, you're 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 getting cut off here. But what Yitzhak is saying is the difference between being found not guilty and, and being proven innocent. The question is, the question is, does a person have to be proven innocent? And Yitzhak, again, you know, Law and Order. You know, although it was, uh, we have to be maskir with Shevach, uh, the great great tzaddik uh, Stephen Hill for his. Uh, <laughs> for his 10 years of service out of that program. But I think you probably meant CSI. Um, those were the shows that those were the shows that I think the, you know, especially the um the graphics, the uh the C the CGI in the CSI. You know what I'm saying? Uh basically on these programs, uh, you know, they would always be they would illustrate by some sort of incredibly graphic image of how true the DNA evidence was. And I think it's become so much part of the culture that we sort of have this uh we not say, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, that does it. Um and there there again, there the, the area of doubt. There might be something. There might be some area of doubt that, you know, and, and that's what that's what I really worry about. That's what I really worry about. It's it, it's a it's it's a tool that that is necessary. Um, and I just wonder, you know, the, you still got to do the old Columbo gumshoeing. You know what I'm saying? Um, you still have to like figure out what makes sense. Who's got the motive? Who was lying? You still have to put it together. Um, you know, the DNA is a great place to, oh, well, if you got your DNA, then what were you doing there? And uh, it must have been you. And why were your, why was it, why was, why was your, under her fingernails? Why was it that the, the your, your skin follicles were there? That shows you were there. Does that mean you killed them? Right. So I, I definitely think it's, 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 it's crucial, but you have to really package the whole case. And, and I'm sure that's what prosecutors. Like, have know, to... like, like in that case with Quincell, it was open and shut because they, they were murdered. They, you know, they admitted what they did. You know, they were able to put them together and give them the opportunity, give them enough rope to hang themselves. You know, but with some of these other cases, you know, I mean, this this one guy you know, at Waymart, he 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 pled guilty because his lawyer told him to, and now he wants to take back the guilty plea, and he has you know all kinds of excuses. Why was he there? But uh, it doesn't it doesn't add up very much. I think you know, I think I think he's right where he belongs, but. Uh, well, you tell you uh, again, uh, considering that this morning we weren't sure what we were going to do and that we had a cancellation on our <laughs> on our regularly scheduled program. I'm so happy that uh, you uh, you were able to provide such a, a fascinating, really, uh, at least beginning of an exploration into this into this DNA topic. And again, to be to be explored further and. Um, on maybe a program to come up and maybe we could actually get some scientists on with us together. Uh, you know, you know, you're great for a layman, but I think we probably, these points that we're making, I think we need some legal experts on one hand and some scientists on the other. So maybe if any of you legal experts or scientists are somehow listening to this, um, sign up for uh, a, a, a deeper treatment of this a uh, very fascinating topic. That's it, my friends. We'll catch you again, hopefully soon. Take care, everybody. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 